and gentlemen, welcome to Marvel 30 Questions, Hawkeye 30 Questions, the show where each week we ask 30 questions of Hawkeye on Disney+. Plus. My name is Adam Porches, and I'm joined by Sweet Sean Kovacs from the internet. Purple. And of course, Bruce Leslie. Hayes. Uh, so for those of you that don't know, uh, we do our little after shows differently than everyone else. We have 30 questions, could be about just about anything, and we have a couple of those questions here. Not only do we have our questions, but we would like to have some of your questions as well. Uh, you can always email your, your questions to us at marvel30questions, or yeah, marvel30questions at gmail.com. The link's going to be in the show notes for that, and we have several people that did so today. Uh, but let's get into it, boys. Uh, season 1, Episode 3 of Hawkeye entitled Echoes. Uh, question number one, was this the best episode of Disney plus Marvel property that we've seen as of yet? Because at least for me yes. it was. I yeah. vote yes. Yeah, hands down. The best. I, I yeah. was kind of shocked going into this. I, I had, I, you know, you're just like, oh, it's, it's going to be another episode of Hawkeye. And it is so well crafted. There is more story and character development in this what 45 minute episode than we have in most two hour superhero movies i just can't say how happy i am that you guys like it because the whole time i'm watching it i'm thinking like this is going to be one of those things that i like and the other guys don't understand why and they're not going to get it and they're going to treat me like a weirdo but <laughs> they're going to treat you like a weirdo but not for that <laughs> yeah number one was the perfect question to start this off because yes this and i don't i can't even quite yet identify the individual aspects of this episode that made me love it so much but also just as a whole this is uh as far as you know the first three episodes my favorite first three of any of the disney plus marvel stuff yet let's go uh, to- i you know i i gotta bring this up because i know that it doesn't come up d- during the questions the the camera the camera uh, uh the camera moves that happened during the the scene uh the the car chase scene it is so incredible. I'm not even sure how they did it. Like it, 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 it is so frenetic. They're, they, they're in the car. You're, you, you, there's a camera in the back seat. You're looking at Clint. Clint's talking to, uh, to talking, to, man, I'm, I'm so out of sort. <laughs> talking to Kate. Clint's talking to Kate. Goes back and forth, back and forth. Camera turns around. Looks out the back window. Uh, what? How? 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 How are you doing that? And I'm thinking at first, oh, this has got to be that trick that they use for Children of Men. Yeah, right? that's exactly what I was going to ask about. Except, it's not that because next thing you see is Kate gets out of the passenger side window to shoot some arrows. Camera follows her out. And then turns back around to see where the arrows are, are about to go. How did they do that? Super, super fast steady cam operator. Like he can run 45 miles an hour. It's I, not, but it, it, I, it can't be a steady cam because a steady cam is way too big. So I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I will. I, this is one of the, this scene is one that's making me look forward to, yeah, you never know, but this is making me look forward to the behind the scenes mm. stuff because yeah, I mean, obviously the children of men kind of car rig is, is something that's been done before. I think the big difference is with that one and having watched it a second time, I, I feel like I saw it a little bit more there. So I believe that the wipe is, going from inside the car to outside of the car, the kind of the pillar of the car is that's your wipe 
uh, going in between those oh, two. Oh, you think? I think so. But I see. here's the thing that sells that as something that really, really works. You are not looking at green screen. It's true. This is because right. when she's outside of the car, that is practical. She is outside. And if, and if this thing shows me otherwise in the special features, I'll eat my hat. But... What it looks like, because there are moments in in that scene that definitely have some CGI stuff in it where, you know, obviously it would be dangerous to have that for a person or so much work that it's just like it's easier to green screen in uh, in a couple of these shots. But there's so much of it that is done uh, in camera and everything, and you see so many of the great stunt driving while Clint's driving and not really looking at stuff. These cars are coming right at him and peeling off at the last second. And it, if it's not, it's amazing that it's, but it looks like it's all in camera and stuff. And I think going from that in camera wiping and then having a, a the in camera or the uh, non green screen on the outside of the car, I think that's where that difference makes is that you're going from a reel to a reel, and so you kind of don't think about that, that that swipe. That's my guess. Well, and it, and it's also not they're not using the 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 Mandalorian screens. Mm-mm. At least I don't yeah. think so. Doesn't look like I don't it. think so at all here. It doesn't look like it. There's too much depth. And exactly. And there's so many of there's so much driving of cars and actual vehicles. They flipped vehicles. There's, you know, I, I'm sorry. I can still tell the difference between CGI fire and real fire. The CGI yeah. fire has gotten really, really great, but there's still a look of when real fire is involved that CGI cannot reproduce yet. Well, let's save some of this, move on to question two, and we might be able to talk about it again by question five. Sure. Um, Bert and Birdie directed this episode. Do you guys know much about them? Uh, I know that they are co-writer, co-directors, and I know that they usually are in horror, like low-budget horror. I don't know much about them at all. I just know that neither of them is named like any any name that you could draw Bert or Birdie from. No, it is so not. I just didn't know what their story was. Uh, no, they're, uh, young ladies that like, I don't know, like they haven't done a ton of stuff that you would go and recognize and something that would pop out to go, Oh, you would be great for this, but son of a gun, this episode is so masterfully directed that I'm just like, uh, whatever you're doing next, I I'm, I'm interested in looking at it because they're the new Russo brothers. Their cards got punched on this episode. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean that that action scene alone, which will come up again. I feel like I feel like if I'm to guess here, and I I didn't really see anything on Wikipedia about it, but I'm guessing it started out by the one got the nickname of Birdie, you know, and that's not that's not like an impossible kind of nickname for somebody, right? And so they were just like because these two are always together, Bert and Ernie style. They just go, oh Birdie, oh Bert, Bert and Birdie. There you go. So that's my guess. I don't know. It's it like works. somehow the joke was made that they're both Berts because neither one is an Ernie. So they got called Bert and Birdie. That's I what I'm going to guess. I'm, I mean, you know. They both have from, unibrows. <laughs> just from, and, and they both love pigeons. <laughs> they both wear hats with lots of fruit on them. They can't wait for the W Lovers convention each year. <laughs> Number three, Sean. Want to suck some people into your story? Have a cute little deaf girl figure out what's happening around her using context clues as the first scene in your show. Nothing about the show feels forced. What sort of trickery is Marvel doing here? Because, you know, the reason why I'm asking this question is, you you know, the the joke that we've used forever is this kind of feels like the Burger King Kids Club. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
This does not in any way feel like that. You know what this feels like to me? It feels like, like Peter Parker's high school now uh, where nothing is forced or like uh, as much as I, I am loath to admit this uh, fast and the furious doesn't feel like Burger King kids club either. Yeah. I think one, one of the keys to this kind of trickery is I think that it is more of a collaborative process and you don't have one strong ego making all the decisions like you might mm-hmm. with some of the movies or something. I really think particularly with some of these Disney plus shows just out of necessity, it's a collaborative process more than other things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why you get some of this stuff that shows more voices are being heard. And well, and also in a, in a strange way, the stakes are kind of lower. If you think about it, you know, if you take a big giant swing in a movie that's there and that's it forever. You know, if, if an episode takes a dump, you've got, you know, more episodes after that where you can kind of course correct if you need to. I think with that and, you know, like you said, with the relationships with the artists and stuff that are finally getting in here and having those people have more say on this, they're willing to take, you know, these artistic kind of, I don't want to necessarily say gambles, but at least, you know, it's maybe not the traditional way of actually showing this sort of stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, that whole scene feels like an independent movie and not a superhero movie because they pr- approached it from the character perspective. And like, here's the thing. Uh, listen, I, I'm not deaf. I'm not wildly handicapped, but I have a visual handicap. I don't see very well. In school, I had to sit up at the front all of the time, lest I not see what was going on on the board. Uh, you know, so I've always, I've always had like a, a soft spot for you know handicap and handy capable things of like that. Because sure. while I have not had anything to that level. I, you know, I, I have, I had struggles and stuff. I mean, when I was born, they, they thought for sure that I would never be able to see, I would have to have help my entire life. But now, you know, as an adult, I drive, I do all the things that you can do. So it, it was, it, you know, starting off, it was a rough road and I had, you know, tough times with, you know, kids in class, you know, when you're, you know, four and five wearing glasses, that's, that was unusual in the eighties, you know? Uh, but I, I, so when I see these characters go through this stuff, it's just like my heart breaks a million times because it's just like if I couldn't even imagine the level that, you know, someone that has something like this would be going through. And the way that they showed this and can convey it to you without slapping you in the face with it and yep. just going, she's daft. I'm like, you can have us discover this throughout the story. You did it through a storytelling standpoint as opposed to just a telling you standpoint. And that's what's important. And that's what makes this art jump above other pieces, in my opinion. Let's go to question number four. Uh, this one comes to us from Jessica. Jessica writes in, the laugh, uh, uh, the laugh, the music line. The laugh, the music, the cufflinks. The cufflinks. Is it Kingpin? Is it Uncle Kingpin? Love the show, guys. That's from Jessica, a.k.a. Night Cheese. Working on the night cheese. Oh, you beat me to singing the song. So <laughs> when when I, I did not realize the hand the first time I watched it, and then all of a sudden the internet's just talking about Kingpin all of a sudden, and you're like, wait a minute, what the heck's going on here? Well, you go back and you listen, and it it sounds like a D'Onofrio laugh. I'm not going to well, lie. That's that's what the the question to me is, not is it Kingpin, because, you know, um, I don't know how much people want comic book spoilers, but I'll say there's a pretty darn good chance that, yes, it is Kingpin. The question for me is, do they get the Kingpin we know from the Netflix universe, which is kind of in this universe, but kind of not? You know, if I if I I, 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 let me take something from real life here. So two weeks ago, 
when or a week ago, whenever whenever Hawkeye premiered last week. Yeah. Time time is fluid to me now. Um the the D'Onofrio on Twitter said, Oh man, Hawkeye's great. I love I love these Marvel shows. <laughs> uh if that is not if that is not showing your hand, <laughs> then I don't know what it is. Uh I, I it would be way weirder if they did not have him back as Kingpin. I feel the person they played the Kingpin had to be handsome and charming. <laughs> And then the, the the other possibility is, you know, we know that Echo is going to get a standalone show. Right. So I could see them maybe saving Kingpin for that show. So then the big question is, did they find like a hand double for D'Onofrio or did they <laughs> actually bring in D'Onofrio just to get his hand? Well, he, I mean, he's, they, they're going to. He's showing up. I mean, he's going to show up. <laughs> so he didn't even probably, ask him. He just heard about it. And he probably in the next episode, we're going to see him. I mean, it, it's so bloody clear that it's him. And what if it, to everyone's surprise, it's Gene Hackman and he still refuses to shave his head. Oh man. <laughs> oh, don't, d- d- don't tease me with my absolute love of that man. Oh, give us one. Gene Hackman, please give us one, one more. more time. Gene, one I know. more round, man. I know Come you're on. enjoying Welcome to Mooseport too. Back in the habit. Okay, no. I know you're enjoying your time in Scottsdale, but you've done so much good work. Listen, you know you come back. You know you won't be in there long. Whatever, like whatever Wes Craven or Wes Craven, Wes Anderson's new movie is, you'll be in it for like five seconds and just delight us all, and then go off into the sunset. That's all we're asking. Royal Tenenbaums 2, the family reunion. Stop making them sequels, you jerk. Yeah. Stop it. Stop stop pitching awful things to Gene Hackman. <laughs> that's why that's, he retired. That's why we got in this to... place in the first place, man. Come on. Number five. Superman 4, part two. <laughs> okay, question number five. The car chase scene from this episode was the teaser I saw that got me so excited for this show. Do you guys get why I was so excited now? Yeah, I, I, it kind of sucks that you saw it, though. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, it, it, One it was, nice thing is they did edit out some key parts. Like, okay. you see the start of the of the chase. You see them when they're going off the bridge and using the arrow to, like, to swing. But they cut out some key parts. Also, they cut out any clue to the fact that Clint didn't have his hearing aid in. So, all the part about him not being able to hear her and them not to be able to communicate okay. very well, that was all new to me. But yeah, that this, they had enough of this chase in about two minutes worth in that teaser that made me want to see this show so badly. Like, I didn't even know it was a Christmas show until I saw that teaser and I just wanted to see it so badly at that point. Well, the problem was with that one is that they buried it. They buried that like 10 minutes into the Marvel special thing. It's like, yes. bro, put you, put, put, put it on Front Street, man. Yeah, I kind of yeah. scrubbed through it until I saw something new. So I, I cheated a little bit. Yeah, I, I wish I would have because I watched for like eight minutes. I'm just like, I know all of this. I have podcast shows where I cover all of this crap. I don't need recaps. Thank you. But, but they did show the great camera work, you know, so let me know what we were going to get visually. They sh- showed a little bit of the humor, like she shoots the uh, exploding arrow and she says, you, you've got four arrows more dangerous than that, but you didn't see the putty arrow. By the way, a lot of those arrows are really an homage to episode, uh, to issue number three of the Fraction and Aja Hawkeye series, which is cool that in episode three, they have that issue three like lineup with all the trick arrow stuff. Kate's first time using the trick arrows. Triple threes. Number six, Sean. Maya's grandfather is played by Zon McClernand. I know him from I know him as the Native American that won't die on the TV show Fargo. Do you guys know him from anything else? I don't think I do. 
he is he's definitely one of those guy actors who's been in like eight billion things. Most recently, I remember just Doctor Sleep. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's it's not a big role or anything in that particular one. Is, does he play a scumbag in in Doctor Sleep? Yeah, I think he's like one of like the crazy people that like the Hat Lady is uh, all about uh-huh. with. And stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, he's in Bone Tomahawk. Woo. Oh, right, oh, right, man. right. He's a vicious one. murderer in that, a cannibal or something. So, you know, he's he's one of those guys. He's he's definitely a, uh, a that guy character actor where he comes on screen and there's there's something that he's given and he's doing, he, he's just killing it in this uh, short little role that he's got. But man, what an impression. I think that there's a very good reason why they, they hired this man. It's because we're going to be seeing a whole lot more of them in a certain series that's going to be coming out in 2023. Uh, oh, so Groot's getting his own series. That's cool. <laughs> I was yeah. thinking season four yeah. of the Mandalorian. Yeah. I don't Teen know. Groot. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, so we think he's not dead then, I guess, huh? No, no, he's totally dead, but I think that but he's... There, gonna, there can be flashbacks. Oh, know, for sure. different time okay, setting. That's fair, that's fair. Also, you know, we were talking about how great that kid actor is you know, as Angel in X3. Uh, you yeah, know, this girl, this girl is amazing also. And it is one of those things that is tough to do, especially with kid actors, is giving them the proper less is more. Because, you mm-hmm. know, most kid actors want to want to act as opposed to just being, which is, you know, what you really need to do, especially as a child actor where, you know, your face just tells so much of your story. Just, you kind of have to be still and be calm. Number seven, this one comes to us from Joe. Joe writes, I teared up twice this episode, once during the intro and once during the phone call. Was a seven-minute backstory enough to set up and make you invested in Echo? A pew-pew, bro. That's from Joe S. <laughs> I think we've all would answer that absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I didn't tear up, but it's it's an amazing, it's an amazing compact way of telling your story. It's something that Marvel very recently has gotten very good at. I think that they started really figuring this stuff out in phase three because phase two was so clunky. There's a lot of stuff that that, that was was problematic, but this uh, they've, they've really figured it out. And, and my word, whoever, whoever is doing the, 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 the lion's share of the writing for this, uh, more please. Yeah, it's it's just going through I think and it's setting Jonathan it up. Igla is his name, if I remember correctly. Jonathan or Joshua Igla. But what what you can get across in that story without having a buttload of exposition and uh, you know other stuff. I was a mess during this whole thing, and that's what to me that's what made this episode one of the best things that I've seen is because it hits the gamut of everything. It is funny. It is you know heartbreakingly sad. It's joyous. It's uh, there's you know action. There's so much in it. You get so much for your for your forty five minutes of time that it, it's hard to. It's hard to you know yell at this episode for any reason because it just I, I was chugs like, along. I was like, oh great, are these flashbacks going to last for four seasons like on Arrow? Oh no, <laughs> they're back version the of the island. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if we had to go through an entire season of that, and here's the thing, dude, if this was a Netflix show, I promise you we'd be getting a lot of that crap. But the- oh yeah, but don't you think that they figured all this out? I mean, oh yeah, Marvel, I think it's a whole different game being on Disney Plus than it is being on Netflix. Marvel, had, Marvel seems to be the one 
company that learns lessons from failure. Are you suggesting that DC does not? Let's move on to question. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about DuPont chemical. Isn't it kind of awesome that a native actor who is deaf and has a prosthetic leg is cast as a superhero? I hate it because there's not there's not enough roles for white guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course you would. Who was a little white guy with two legs that can hear supposed to get a job? Man, now it's I, just unfair. It's unfair. It's been a minute, but I I don't think at least in the comics I don't not, not that here I'm making a point, but I don't think Echo has a prosthetic leg in. No, in the, the prosthetic comics. leg is the the actor brought that. To but the I to me. I love that. I thought that's like kind of yes. a really neat addition yeah. to add in. It just, it makes the character slightly more complicated and more interesting. It's like, all right, it's not just the same old, oh, this person can't hear and they make up for it in other ways. She's also got another disability, but as we've seen in this, certainly has led that to, you know, her advantage in this case. Cause you kick somebody in the head with a metal uh, leg, uh, it gonna hurt. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I think she's really great. And um, I don't know that I've ever seen her before, uh, but man, she was uh, super impactful. She's got this great, just this, this great energy to where she's, she's obviously because you can't talk, you know, you, so you've got to do a lot with your face and your body movements and everything. And she's so very precise with everything. I, I love her. I think she's, she's menacing, but yet, um, I don't know. Something, something still kind of soft about her at the same time, too. Yeah, she's really good. Number nine. While watching the show, did you believe that this show takes place in Brooklyn? Uh, It felt more Manhattan to me. There are certain parts where you go like, oh, this feels very New York, and there's a couple times where you're just like, oh, this could be Atlanta. I don't know. It's probably not, but there's there's certain moments where it doesn't, and there's certain times where it is just like, oh, they were clearly, and we've got you know, photos of them you know, running around the New York subway, so they were literally doing that. But it feels like they're at least doing a bit more of that than, uh, than sitting on you know, studio backlots, I guess. Mm-hmm. It felt uh, like Yonkers, not Brooklyn. There are so many. Like I would say, ninety percent of this was was shot in Atlanta, and that's why I'm asking because it's it's the only thing about the show that it takes me out. Is that I'll go up. Oh, I know where that is. Up. Oh, I know where that is. Yeah, there's a couple of spots where it's like mm, not sure, and then there's a couple that like that you know that may not be that, but dub in well enough. I think. See, that's where I'm lucky that so few movies and shows are shot in Huntington. I don't have to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to turn around and be like, what the hell is this? Let's give let's give Bruce an opportunity to yell out one more New York borough. I'm all out. Jamaica oh, Queens. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Question number. It looked like Jamaica Queens, yes. Strong yeah. Island. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I love how that phrase always just goes like, oh, I know exactly who you are, and I'm going to turn the other direction and walk away. Bye-bye now. <laughs> and I don't have a distaste for New Yorkers. I have a distaste for those New Yorkers. Uh, number 10, Adam. Number 10. There's a lot of hate for Imagine Dragons in this episode and in the world in general. <laughs> are Imagine Dragons really as bad as everyone says they are? That's from Justin Strawn, a.k.a. St. Kit. What do you think, uh, Sean? I don't know. I don't think about Imagine Dragons one way or the other. I didn't realize that there was Imagine Dragons music in this episode. Uh, you know, 
I, I am not the uh, person to 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 expound on music tastes. Uh, I, I have pretty terrible music tastes, quite honestly. Um, so do you, Bruce. I know that you do. Yeah. Um, I would imagine, though, that, Adam, you probably like you probably have something to say about Imagine Dragons. Like, I think that the, the, they're, they're two very popular songs that I know are fine. I think that they got, I think the one got overused, the one that like is in every movie for two years, like, you know, there's that one. And then yeah. there's the other one. Sounds uh, like a car commercial. No, here's the a thing. Good car commercial. Here's why. Here's why. The answer is uh, St. Kitts. Here's your answer. Imagine Dragons sucks. They suck ass so hard. <laughs> God, they're okay. terrible. Okay. They, they're, they're awful. They are corporate bullshit rock that is there to just to be made into commercials. Oh, so they're like the new Maroon 5. They're worse than Maroon 5. At least some, uh, there's a couple of Maroon 5 songs that, while Maroon 5 is not great, at least there's a couple of catchy little type things. This is clearly made to be in Dodge Ram commercials and stuff. It's yeah. all garbage i mean it's like this foster the people all of that little like what what i call the whoa whoa music the hell with that it's all terrible but, magic but, dragons but, is all but, but adam don't you prefer hearing that in a dodge commercial versus like some legendary great song that you adore like i never want to see the ramones in a commercial for cheerios you know yeah, uh, I just, ugh, I don't know. There's something about this band, it's its always kind of struck me as like, I, I, I feel like they're there for the money. And, you know, I, you can make money and be a musician. That's perfectly fine. I know like a lot of really great, successful, rich mus- musicians who are still uh, talented. I don't, I sound an awfully Gen X right now. My yeah, I know. It's, but, uh, you're know, you, you wearing a flannel. I'm right. I, Believe it or not, I am actually. <laughs> Do your jeans have holes in them? No, my jeans are actually pristine. So musical acts just don't make my radar until Weird Al covers one of their songs. So pristine I'll get back jeans. to you on Imagine I, I I would not. I don't know. It's just for me. I don't get it. I don't understand. And and first of all, it also it sounds like a. It's one of those great names for like a really crap band, like Ten Thousand Screaming Maniacs. And then you listen to it, and you're like, what is this garbage? It's like, I love 10,000 Maniacs. Oh, boy. Natalie Merchant, she's my jam. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what you think coming out of that. You're just like, what kind of crazy hardcore band is this? And you listen, you're like, all right, what kind of, what joke did you play? All right. What joke have you been playing around here, there, Tower Records? Bruce, like, we we are we have so little ammo, <laughs> <laughs> you and I, when it comes I to this. I like Limbiscuit. Question number oh, no. 11. 11. <laughs> Am I lucky that my wife won't divorce me for wearing a stupid costume? You're lucky you not just for that, but for the you other are. things as well. <laughs> yeah, there's there's many other things that make you lucky when it comes to that lady, but but seriously, the 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 ridiculous costumes and the fact that she's not <laughs> that she's not like you, you it's either it's either the wizard costume or me. <laughs> I like Linda Cardellini, though. I don't think she'd really divorce Hawkeye if he wore that purple costume that uh, Kate drew on the napkin. No, no, no. But um, but you can, I mean, your wife's got the patience of a saint because not only will she allow you to dress in these things, I've seen her in public with you in those things. And, and, hey, and that's, that's, that just sweetens the deal. Willing to stand by you when you dress like that. You, for those of you who don't have any context for this, Bruce, basically, if he had the choice, would dress like that guy 
who was who was constantly talking about how the government was giving out free money. <laughs> oh yes, I did that, love that suit. That's basically how Bruce would dress every day if he could, if it were socially acceptable. Yes. Well, that, you it, know, it, like, that, that doesn't matter to Bruce. I think it's high I think middle it's, ages, it, early Renaissance clothing. I like to. It's a matter of fabrics <laughs> for the man. Ensconced in velvet, if it was socially acceptable. Uh, they never had herringbone patterns back then. This is a bunch of bull crap. You call that a cloak? <laughs> yes, I love a good cloak. It's got to have silk on the inside. Otherwise, what kind of cloak do you got? Number it 12. It started when my mom made me a handmade vampire costume in like first grade. Number 12. The Christmas sorry. tree in Kate Bishop's mother's house is a modern desi- designed monstrosity. I hate it. What Christmas decorations do you hate? May I go first here, Adam? Sure. Please. I hate Christmas decorations that look edible, but they're not. Mm, <laughs> how's it going? Are you driving through the neighborhood and see a candy cane and go, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> I got electrocuted three times last season. <laughs> um, Here's the thing. Even sometimes like, you know, junky, rednecky, uh, you know, Christmas stuff can even still be fun. I think yeah. Sean's right is that like the modern stuff where you're trying to be Christmas, but like elevated or some such nonsense. That's yeah. that's when you get like it's it, you're you're too precious about it. It's like Christmas is meant to, you know, kind of when decorating joy. Yeah. You know, things of the past, stuff that went through and the fact that you modernize this and, you know, uh, like an LED Christmas tree. What's wrong with you? I Have saw you seen tr- the. The little ceramic ornaments, they look like a gingerbread man. They even smell like a gingerbread man. But you lick it, it tastes terrible. Who's, I hate those. Who's asking for scented, uh, you know, You're just asking ornaments. for trouble. If you put that on your tree and you invite me over, I'm going to lick it. Well, if, you, if you're not Bruce, a dog. Bruce, let me ask animals. you a question. How, how, how much research have you done into edible candles? <laughs> not nearly enough. I think that's how you get out of this bracket is the, the invent <laughs> edible candles. I say any candles edible if you're dedicated. Might be a try hard enough. <laughs> hey, sure. Mister, you're not supposed to drink a candle. You know, my Mama, kids, my poop looks funny. <laughs> I don't remember where we were, but my kids got some retro. You know those like things that look like a soda bottle made out of wax with a little bit of like. Fruit oh, syrup. those are yeah, disgusting. Yeah, those yeah. Suck. They said, "Hey, Dad, do you want one?" I threw it in, chewed the whole thing up, and swallowed it, and they were shocked. Like they thought you just take the top off and suck the juice out and throw the wax away. And I was like, no, that's not how you do it. When you grew up hard, like I did in the trailer park, you waste nothing. You eat every part of the candy. He's a Navajo Indian of the trailer park with candy. <laughs> I would even eat those wax vampire teeth. You could get that. Oh those my are God. The what the, that is so bad. You, boy, you just get they pissed great immediately. Things so for your digestion. That. Let me tell you. <laughs> Talk Mama, about, my poop looks funny. Put a wick in this. So we can have some light tonight. The hell? <laughs> That's your essential oils. But on pump. Boy, it keeps burning. And it doesn't come out. <laughs> <laughs> 13, Adam. 13. For decades, we've seen uh, stupid trick arrows. How cool was it uh, to have seen a plunger arrow be highly useful? That's from Bo from Austin, Texas. It's not. Oh, just say it. Just it's, say it. Just say you're talking about arrow and the boxing glove arrow. It's not. It sucks. I, listen, uh, I like the arrow stuff. I thought it was all really I good. It. I love it's it. All, I love it's, it. It's, it's, it's the only thing about this episode that's totally forced. I love it. I like it because it's like what they do in comic books. 
Oh, oh I hate it so things. much. I hate it so much. He hates joy and fun. Isn't that great? Because I that, don't hate joy and fun. I'm joy and fun all around. See, can I you hear the, the joy arrow. coming out right now? <laughs> the the color, the shade of purple in the putty arrow was. Mwah. It was perfect. That was really great. And Chef's and kiss. again, I like I like the. You've got like no, definitely not there. That arrow and like she's yelling at him that he should be labeling these things, but of course he doesn't need <laughs> yes. to label them. He can just feel them in the back there and just does what he does. Uh, but what this episode also really kind of forced in, and not not in a bad way, uh, or reinforced. Let's put it that way, uh, of how good of a marksman that Hawkeye really is. And I don't think that yeah. was anything that was ever really drilled into us super super well uh within these marvel movies and everything i feel like that's more of a more of the book you know yeah. where hawkeye was just just this guy is mad accurate on everything he is just the, good the only thing that i can't stand about the character and i'm and i'm almost certain that this is an actor thing is when he pulls back the bow and shoots an arrow, and he's not looking at where he is shooting. Oh no, I love and that the the one I where where it. the behind and he shoots that guy. That I was so badass. That's exactly how I do it. That's that's the moment. That's the moment in the Tim Burton Batman where the criminals walking behind and Batman just gives him that back of the fist to the face. That's yeah. that cool ass moment in this show. I'm equally effective whether or not I'm looking. I'll say that. <laughs> Number fourteen. The head writer for the show said that the Christmas elements are, quote, informed by stuff on the Hallmark Channel. Am I really missing out by not watching all those movies on the Hallmark Channel? Bruce, well, this, this sounds like I, somebody who is invested in the Hallmark Channel and is trying to put some sort of Ponzi scheme <laughs> together. I think you need to stay wildly away from this. Whoever is doing this, you are going to be reported to the SEC immediately. On the Hallmark stock. There is, there is a podcast called Deck the Hallmark that you should listen to. Uh, because don't ever watch the movies, but listen to the podcast, especially this time of year. It's great. Um, deck the Hallmark. That's a great name. 15. Uh, was that the world's biggest KB toys that the tracksuit mafia was hiding out in? It could be because just like the world's smallest, they're all out of business now. <laughs> right. But I mean, have you, even when they were in business, did you ever like, like gigantic warehouse sized cable no, toys. That's more like a children's palace. Yeah. That yeah. Yeah. Child's world. It, it's a, to me, watching KB this was always mall interior. That's what and I then, like. Children's palace was like storefront. I don't know. That I've been to a children's palace. Child's so. world had a, had a panda. As a yeah, same, same, same franchise, just in the Northeast. They were, Child's World and then oh, really? for Children's Palace. Oh, yeah. I did not know that. Huh. I watched the Dan Larson episode on it. That's the only reason <laughs> I know it. I'm about to say this sounds like some <laughs> uh I don't know. I to me, I, I watched this episode for the second time and I'm I'm looking at this store. And to me, this is would be one of the hardest things to do as far as getting this set together because it is a toy store, but one that is shut down and so it has to be sparsely decorated with stuff, so you have to make it look like stuff belongs there. But, you know, what would be left at this point? How much do you do? And that's and to me, that's like kind of the the magic of the uh, of the art with that is I'm just like, 
you know, somebody had to really think about all of these tiny little things of just going, okay, we got to put this one over here. Oh no, that's too much. No, that's too little. And keep uh, just really great set decoration in that, in that particular scene. There's two things that happened. One, there were many, many, many meetings to discuss what that, what that interior looked like. Also somebody with a very deft hand, because your, your want is going to be to, to over-decorate that all the time. But it's so they did just great. sparse, they did, just sparse they, enough. Yeah. And, and there was nothing left of value inside, like the things that they're throwing around. It's all, you know, like, like crappy stuffed animal that no one cares about anymore. They could have easily went like a, a stereotypical Joker's hideout. You right. Know, and they didn't. Right. It, it, it's, it was really well done. I agree, Adam. Good job. Number 16, a friend of mine brought up Pizza Dog's Eye. Do you think they found a one-eyed dog, or is that a CGI prosthetic? Uh, that's from the former teenage rocket scientist, Big Dave Movies. Big Dave Movies. Uh, they Unfortunately, it's been ruined for me because I've seen the dog outside of the show. What, what are you, buddies? <laughs> me, me and the dog. We, we and the dog are meeting up at the bar <laughs> they, for a pint. They hang at the same clubs. Yeah. We tie. We <laughs> me and Pizza Dog are tight. They, uh, no, I saw like a, I saw like a little, you know, like, you know, like, hey, offset, fun, so- fun with Hawkeye. And, and and the dog's got two regular eyes. You saw him now, in the steam room at the if, Y. If the if the showrunner were Sam Peckinpah, he would have started as a two eyed dog. Then a vet with a gambling problem would have come to set one day, <laughs> and then you have a one eyed dog. Well, they they I mean they that's the way they did everything. <laughs> I mean, <it's, laughs> yes, I mean you know you see that's you also see how a, the actor would have gotten their prosthetic leg uh, under Peckinpah. You, you you see you know you see a bear get shot in that movie. That bear got shot in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> what just, what, what am just, I going to do? Put a guy in a suit? No. It kills me to think of all the one-eyed dogs out there without a job, and they hired a two-eyed dog for this one. Not for nothing, though. I mean, because I kind of thought about it. Really, because you need this dog to be super well, you know, trained in everything, and really taking away one-fourth of, you know, the, the its tools, two being its eyes and the other two being its ears, taking one of those out of the equation. Uh, are you forgetting the nose? Dogs act by sense of smell. Everybody knows they, that. Uh, you know, sure, whatever. I'm just, you know, but of the majors. <laughs> I have no idea. I just made that I up. don't know. It's, I'm sure there's something about it. My dog sniffs crap all the time. Who's to say? But I, I feel like if you had only one eye, like it takes... I don't know. Maybe it makes it more risky. Uh, it's a good question, though. <laughs> he can't guys, do we make, guys, we, guys, we are going to make this episode seven Number hours 17. Long. Number 17. How many episodes until we see Kate trying to secretly learn American Sign Language? One, I think that it's, the, it's one of the most interesting aspects of this show. I think that, they're, that it's going to start straight away. Yeah, I think that next episode is when that starts because at, at this point, we've we've talked about it. We've seen it. And now we have to come up with a solution for this because the hearing aid stuff is going to continue to come into play and uh, they'll need some way of communicating. And that'll be the, the ASL will be the, the way that they get out of some sort of situation. Just a little boop, 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 boop. Like oh, they there's did. some nice foreshadowing too, because uh, Echo does even say to him, you know, you're stronger without the hearing aid. And it's also, yeah. you know, I mean, like, look, look at what they did in the, in the Dune movie, in the new Dune movie where yeah. it's like, oh. We, we have this little language between us, and, you know, I think that's certainly going to happen. 18. 
making Clint hearing impaired turned him from a lame character like Green Arrow into a well-rounded, far more introspective character than he was in any of the other Marvel movies. Does Marvel need to now do whatever it takes to keep Jeremy, Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye in the MCU? I think so. I think he could secretly be like, like, you know, when, uh, uh, ER went on for about 20 seasons too long. Mm-hmm. And like the only member of the original cast was the lady who used a, a brace when she walked. So suddenly mm-hmm. she was like the star of the show or something like Jeremy Renner needs to just hang around till he's the, the hottest thing going. I'm all for that. Yeah. I, I, I think as long as they can keep kind of, you know, legacy Avengers around, I think they should. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they use him almost as like the Hank Pym of the comic books where, you know, like he doesn't really do anything anymore except for like, Hey, go do this. And kind of the action side of that, like the, like an action Hank Pym, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's just he like, Oh, here's how we kinda, do he could kind of be like a different version of uh, uh, Phil Coulson, you know, just like he's the shield connection. Now that shield's gone, like he's that kind of person. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he seems to kind of like, you know, organize things and be able to put things on, you know, a particular path. I can see it. 18. Kate doesn't seem like she's stupid. So why is it that she hasn't put together yet that Clint is Ronan? Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. She totally should have done that at this point. I think maybe we'll find out that she has, but she enjoys like being next to this person she'd like to have for a mentor. So she's not letting him know that she knows or something. Mm. Maybe, but I don't know that her face betrays that when they're talking about it. And then, you know, and if you're hiding, portraits. it, it, it it's, it's pronounced portraits, but thank you for trying. Um, <laughs> as long as people put forth an effort, I'm okay with it. Uh, let's go to 20. <laughs> when Kate is talking to Clint on the subway and he clearly can't hear her, but he's still trying to converse with her. It reminded me of my grandfather who was very hard of hearing. Could Jeremy Renner quietly become like the grandpa of the Marvel cinematic and Disney plus universe? Absolutely. And I think that he's well served to do so. Yeah, because here's the thing. Jeremy Renner has, they've been pushing for him to be this, like you are the leading man in the movies that he comes out in, in in several of these movies. And those movies never particularly work as well as you might want them to. Jeremy Renner happens to do well when he's working with others, it seems like. I mean, everything from like your Hurt Locker uh, to this and your, um, what was the hide and seek movie, all all of that kind of stuff where he's working with others and it's not necessarily all resting upon his shoulders. Does he feel like he's coming out to play and he gets to shine a little bit more? Because I don't know that he's necessarily that super lead guy, but you don't always need that. He's really working for me in this like fatherly role. And I could see him in future movies whenever somebody like kind of the way that Peter Parker would go to uh, Tony Stark. Mm -hmm. I could see people when they're like feeling down on themselves, and he's like, you think what you've done is bad. You wouldn't believe the kind of bad stuff I did. Or you think you're uh, not suited for this. Look at me, you know, uh, just a flashback to when he's, talking to Wanda in uh, Age of Ultron, you know, that kind of thing. Like, look, all I've got is a bow and arrow. I'm not equipped for any of this, but here we are. None of this makes sense kind of thing. So I could really see him slowly being the one that, like, shows up when people are ready to give up and, like, inspires them to keep going. 21. 21, Sean. 
21. My favorite new superhero character from this year was Polka Dot Man, hands down. But Kate Bishop is number two for me. What are yours? Who are yours? Well, um, I really, really like, uh, uh, what's her name? Florence Pugh. Mm -hmm. I really like Florence Pugh, and I like her Yelena Belikova character. Uh, So I think her and Kate Bishop might be my top two, which is interesting because I could see how they could end up on a collision course, too. But, yeah, I really liked her a lot. I didn't like the movie so much, but I liked her part of it a lot. Yeah, I'm really like Kate Bishop as well. Uh, I, I will. Uh, the biggest one to me, as far as a disappointment goes, that I was kind of looking forward to, and perhaps it will get re, uh, redeemed soon. We'll see. Uh, but Peacemaker. I thought Peacemaker was going to be fantastic, and he was really only what we saw in the trailers and stuff. And I hope that this uh, new HBO Max show will bring a little bit more to that character. And based upon the the, the one preview that I've seen, uh, it looks like that may be the case, and I'm hoping. Uh, 22. Who puts a trampoline outside of the window of an office in a toy store? Who doesn't, Adam? <laughs> Come on. I've seen big. They do all kinds of that stuff in toy stores. It is right there. It is a, a full, a full, you know, ceiling to floor window in this particular place. And that's set up exactly. And not only does one person, a uh, two people jump on that thing and jump right up to the room. I'm like, all right. Okay. Whatever. Now, Sean, tell me if I'm thinking the right thing here, but like when it was a functioning store, they had that as a display model, but when they went bankrupt, they decided it would cost more in labor to disassemble it and remove it than it was worth. So they just left it there. Yeah. Let's say that. And you don't Perfect. think one of those ne'er-do-wells would have picked that thing up and brought it home for their, his kid to break her no, neck on later. You got to take it apart to get it through the door. And once you get to that point, and then you gotta have a truck to haul it. They Once got you get to a that panel point, you just truck. buy one They're and they deliver it and set it up. Away. They're already taking it away in the panel truck. All he's got to do is do that and then slap it on the back of his uh, Ford F one fifty. Fortress, you're not thinking about the most important part, which is space, and you're living in New York. <laughs> yeah, I bet you there are probably single digit outdoor trampolines in New York. New York, you're not trying hard enough. Trampoline twenty three. <laughs> in truth. What's really keeping Clint from just going home for Christmas? Nothing. I, I but I mean the conceit is that you know he's kind of stuck, which is you know a little diehardy, pretty great. But yeah, I I think though that the thing that's keeping them there is his sense of duty. Like oh, way better. Thank you. Adam. That that's way why better. he's there. He wants to go home. I, I but, feel like this character truly does want to be with his family. He's not like a bunch of those sad sack horrible dads that just kind of wants to fly the coop and be like, oh sorry, I can't be home from Christmas. I think he genuinely wants to do that. But also at the same time, he is hell bent on just going. I'm not going to leave something undone here. Or does he just want to feel useful? I mean, like he he wants to keep uh, Kate safe. He could take Kate back home with him to kansas i think the family would entertain kate nicely for the holidays then go back and deal with this on january 2nd (laughs) evil doesn't take a holiday bruce Ooh, put that in a poster i'm pretty sure it's already on shut up (laughs) (laughs) 24 sean uh 24 since we've already answered this one i will on the fly fix this too uh so you know kate bishop says that she is uh, the the house that her mom lives in is her great her great 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 grandfather uh, built the building. So, you know, in in New York, most people are making their money through through the stock market, 
And that's, you know, how people get these vast fortunes in New York, which means that they had to have been able to keep their money. Cause they're not, you know, like one of the seven families that runs America. Like they're, yeah. they're, you know, they're like, they're, they're, they're fabulously wealthy, but they're not, they're not, you know, like whether 10 years of a depression wealthy. <laughs> so at some point, they had to, the family had to have been bootleggers in order to keep that house through the depression. What do you think? They're, they're marble column rich. <laughs> I was thinking like boss tweed was the great ancestor or something. So they're just crooked politicians, but there's no, like they, there's no politics in their family. Right. At least it hasn't yeah. been brought up. Well, Bishop security is the family business and that, does sound like the kind of thing where you get somebody on city council, you get a few sweet city yeah. contracts. Yeah. You don't really provide security, but you get paid for a guy in a uniform. Maybe a little mob action here or there if you need it. And, for good. And if you you think back to when Kate Bishop was young and the Chitari attacked New York, I mean, they were saying we're going to have to sell this house. But then after the blip, maybe something changed their fortunes. Mm-hmm. Real estate market got better. <laughs> It got worse. They, you know, nobody would buy it. So, well, I, so. No, well, or but there's no one there. So, like half the population is yeah. gone. So, at least like who's going to foreclose now? Stuff. Yeah. Twenty-five. Haley Steinfeld is the niece of Jake Steinfeld, who you might know better as the fitness guru turned motivational speaker turned actor. Body by Jake. Jake is almost sixty-four years of age this days. And uh, who would uh, he be playing in the MCU? And how pissed would Lou Ferrigno be if it was the Hulk? First off, this is the question. This is the fact, the trivia of the week, Adam. I got to applaud you for bringing Body by Jake to the table. That's pretty amazing. I'm going to let everybody I meet for the rest of my life know that Haley is Body by Jake's niece. By the way, one of the things on his sitcom and everything, and they they showed some outtakes of this, whenever he would flub a line, he would do 10 push-ups. So you would just like, whenever there would be something out there, like just to discipline himself, he would be doing pushups, but he's out there still today. today, He really did stink as an actor. Uh, he wasn't great, but like he honestly, when I've heard interviews and stuff with him, he just seems like a very pleasant, nice guy. Well, good. Good to know that most motivational speakers actually are. Yeah. Who's he playing in the MCU? Uh, the guy that was like the doorman at the Baxter building. I think he'd be good at that. (laughs) <laughs> boy and that that just just ricking old lou over the coals one more time even harder <laughs> i'd like to see him play it man <laughs> sure why not hey listen with great power comes great responsibility Aunt may just keeps getting sexier now do a couple of push-ups for me will you uh 26 is this show going to become about which legacy clint wants to pass on hawkeye or ronan I don't think so, man. I think that Hawkeye is Hawkeye. Like, you know, Ronan seems like a mistake. He is treating it like it's a mistake. Well, just to throw this out there, in the comics, Echo becomes Ronan for a while when she joins the Avengers. So, like, it could see him trying to decide which direction. You like, you know, because with that hearing loss thing in common with Maya, maybe we start to see some bond there. I just thought that might be a conflict that starts to show up. Anyway. Yeah, it, it's it's possible, but at the same time too, I, I yeah, I, I've always gotten the feeling that this is something that you know he wants to kind of get rid of, bury it in the past, and have that thing be in the past. And I, I also kind of like that how much how little we know about you know kind of the goings on there. We know he's a bad guy, killed a whole bunch of people, and to me that's almost more intriguing than finding out you know precisely what's been going on. Twenty seven, Sean. 
The great thing about Jeremy Renner is that he's not doing weird things to his face to make himself look younger, unlike other actors who happen to be in the Mission Impossible franchise. <laughs> and it's making him a more interesting performer. Where do you stand on Jay Renz? Uh, I stand about three rungs higher on the Jay Renz ladder after these three episodes. Yeah, I, mean, I thought you were about to make a short joke on his account. <laughs> no, no, no. I just literally mean that uh, my opinions have significantly yeah. been elevated by these three episodes. Totally agree. I, I've always kind of yeah. been a fan and everything, but I, um, th this is great. This is one of the better things that he's done in quite some time. And not for nothing. I, I think we're, we all will look to this of being like, Oh, this is when he kind of really had to stand up and everything, but they did such a great job with, you know, Really, his story is one of the main stories and the only few people in the MCU that we know a lot more about, like, their family life and everything. We've made this character a very grounded person that is much more like you and me than any of the other characters would ever be. And uh, them continuing this on in this series, really just cementing that down in there and really showing you that, you know— what kind of a person Clint really is? Again, like she said, you could go home any second now. You could leave this, but because of the person that he is, he feels that he has to stick around and make sure that you know this this uh, outfit isn't in the right hands and that this girl's going to end up being safe and stuff. So I, I'm just I'm always a uh, Jeremy Renner fan, and this certainly doesn't hurt that. 28. 28. Uh, this comes to us from Ben. I've heard discussions uh, that the fact that Spider-Man No Way Home comes out between episodes five and six might not be a coincidence, and that the film and the Hawkeye final, uh, the Hawkeye finale may connect in some way, if anything, just in a minor, unimportant way. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that theory. That's from our buddy Ben from the Netherlands. Uh, Nether Bens. <laughs> I like that. I was going to say Little Dutch Ben, but I like that one better. Um, I would say maybe, just maybe, something could happen in Spider-Man No Way Home that gives them a way to bring Vincent D'Onofrio over without necessarily bringing unwanted actors over from the Netflix universe. No, you want some Finn in there all day long. Don't lie to me, boy. <laughs> How funny would it be if that's the only character that doesn't come back? <laughs> yes. Listen, uh, the universe Something takes happened on the way uh, over here. He just died. He fell through the tube. You, you remember that? Uh, <laughs> you remember the Doctor Strange little portals and stuff? Well, one happened to close right as he was halfway through it, chopping no! him in half. Son of a gun. Damnedest thing you've ever seen. What do you do? I mean, but, you know, we held a service for him. It was it was Big blonde polite. afro just circling a drain. <laughs> 29. I don't know. Do you guys have an answer? <laughs> I hope so. I mean, you know, it's always more interesting when that happens. Like, you know, I, I, I actually checked out agents of shield after that stuff went down and captain America, what a soldier. I was like, what, what are they doing in agents of shield? If this happened and the answer was a lot. <laughs> uh, so where are we? 29? 29. Yes. How do you think the fight between swordsman and Hawkeye is going to go down in the next episode? It's a really great place for this episode to lean to to finish off at. You hear something in the background. It turns out it is him. He's got his sword right up against his neck. Now we've seen already that he is a great swordsman. So it's not like you know we go, "Ooh, is he going to be good? He's going to be no." He knows what he's doing. So I don't know. I I, I like that this is uh, where this episode decided to end because it is that fantastic cliffhanger. It's like, see you next week, kids. 
Yeah, I you know I wouldn't uh, like I wouldn't be surprised if this isn't the last we've seen a Hawkeye. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, he's. Uh, it's going to be one of those weird things. I think where where the villain is completely out of the way. And then we're going to see that there's actually something much worse happening. Um, I, I'm going to just pre- feels that way. I'm going to predict that it's like set up as if we're going to have a fight between Jack Duquesne and Hawkeye. But then in the next episode, they might like exchange a couple of parries and then Kate will say, wait. And then Jack will go, Oh, Kate, why didn't you tell me you were coming home? And he just puts the sword away. And then Hawkeye spends three more episodes wondering how he's going to get Ronan's sword back. Oh, well, the, the only th- the only thing is is with all these Marvel shows now because the like your expectations are so my expectations are so different for for these shows now they don't ever do the thing that you think that they're going to do because in a regular show what would happen is that Hawkeye gets beat and then he comes back and beats that guy up in the last episode and everyone's triumphant and there's a parade that doesn't happen this t- in in Marvel shows and so I'm wondering if it all goes down now and then we're going to see something, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're just guessing here. We're having fun. Stop trying to take it so seriously. What's wrong with you? Uh, let's wrap it all up with question number 30. Number 30. This episode has put Hawkeye on the top of the list for Disney plus Marvel streaming shows for me. Where does it land for you guys? It's it's top of the list. I'm with you, man. Like these first three episodes, they give me the same kind of warm feeling that the first three episodes of the Mandalorian did. So it's that high mm. for me. Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a very good comparison. Yeah, uh, th- this does feel like as far as like that kind of excitement level and everything, uh, where you feel like you're seeing something that you maybe not necessarily have previous. I mean, and the the action scenes are really great in here. There was a moment like in the in the Toy Story fight with everything, uh, where she where uh. Kate slides on the ground, holds on to this pillar, and then sweep kicks this guy. I said, oh, shit, out loud. It was great. <laughs> I was, I mean, like, just things that, like, you haven't seen before. It, it, the show's just doing a lot of really fun stuff. Sean doesn't like the arrows, but I'm adding that in there, puts another little silly fun thing in there for me. And I like the fact that we, over the years, have grown more towards, hey, man, lean into that comic book. There's nothing that's wrong with you leaning in to the comic book, wild, crazy elements, all of that, because it is a nutso thing. And, you know, sometimes that's just fun. Yes. So, you know, we'll, we'll of course, uh, talk more about that next week with another 30 questions. But we also need your help with this show. You could be one of the people that uh, writes in to us with your questions. And if it's good enough, you'll get here on the show. Uh, email us at marvel30q at gmail.com or it's 30 questions. Whatever it is in the show notes. I forget what it is, but it's there. Go ahead and do that. Um <laughs> Uh, remember, uh, j- yeah, put your name and uh, where you're from. We always kind of like that, too. Just to think, We got Netherlands and Germany. We got everybody all around the board here. Uh, but we have other shows as well. So if you like this, we've got more entertainment uh, options for you. Bruce, where can we find more of your work on the Internet? I like to tell people about my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C slash Bruce Leslie. Great anime reactions and reviews. Uh, Demon Slayer has new episodes that started coming out this week, so I'm covering those along with some other stuff. And I don't want to, like, set the expectations too high, but a lot of people tell me I'm the greatest of all time. <laughs> it's the He's the uh, Muhammad Ali of podcast. I am the greatest. 
Uh, speaking of the greatest, Sean, what else? Uh, we've got a show called the Hero Movie Podcast. Uh, so please listen to that. Uh, you know, if you found if you found this, come find our come find our other show. You you'll be like, man, I just did myself a total favor. Thanks, me. Yeah, and we've we've had reviews on the iTunes and everything that were like for for Hero Movie Podcast where they were like, oh, I was listening to this thirty question show and then they talked about this and while we went over there and I like this show too, so uh, check those out. And of course, we have our other thirty question show. Uh, where we talk about uh, the Mandalorian, and of course, we, boy, you got Book of Boba Fett coming out at the end of the year, and so Ooh. we'll be putting that on there. So subscribe over to that. Oh, man, we're gonna have so much work to do in December; it's unbelievable. Man, you don't know the half of it, Adam. <laughs> it's man. just it's, got two new animes too. So oh, so so much stuff to be doing. Uh, check all of that stuff out. Links are in the show notes as always. That is it, everybody. Join us next week when we're asking another thirty questions for Sweet Sean's and Kovacs from the Internet, Bruce Lessing. I'm Adam Porches, and remember, my go-to weapon is two sticks and a string. So, yeah, 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 yeah. feel like I'm made out of gingerbread. Uh huh, uh huh. Crumb picking, lip licking gingerbread. Uh huh, uh huh. Can't think about rainy weather now. I finally got myself together now. Fresh out of the pan, sweet gingerbread man. Fresh out of the pan, sweet gingerbread man. I'm twirling a cane made of peppermint. Uh-huh. 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 Nice sticky hand, sticky peppermint. Gingerbread, gingerbread, gingerbread.